Are you looking for whole food supplements for your ketogenic lifestyle? Then let me introduce you to Further Food. Go to furtherfood.com and you'll see that they source the highest quality ingredients on the planet. They have collagen peptides and my favorite, the gelatin powder to make those yummy gummies. And all of it is sourced from grass-fed, pasture-raised bovine collagen from Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay. Guys, this is really high-quality collagen and gelatin. There's no hormones or antibiotics. It's non-GMO, and it's the most tasteless and easiest to use on the market. And if you're not using collagen and gelatin, you need to be adding this to your ketogenic life. Lifestyle. It helps reduce wrinkles, increase skin elasticity, making your skin firmer and softer. Collagen helps nails and hair grow longer and stronger while helping to rebuild your bones and strengthen your joints and ligaments. Collagen also helps with digestion and will help you curb your carb cravings. Again, head on over to furtherfood.com, enter the coupon code JIMMY at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. Elevate your wellness. Further food. Living la vida low carb, talking about a low carb diet. Uh-huh. Getting your body healthy, it ain't no doubt about it. Yeah, it's really about ketosis, a ketogenic life. Yeah, a real time indicator for ketosis called ketonics. It measures your breath for ketones. Are you burning fat? It's the first of its kind. All my ketonians, where you at? Hey, I'm just here to let you know. Wanna look and feel incredible. We living la vida low carb, get your body healthy and live long. Hey. Keep my fats high and my carbs low. Need my glucose down right now, pronto. Check my ketones, look at the stats, yo. With ketonics, now I'm in the burning fat zone. Ketonics, we burning fat, yeah, we own it, yeah, yeah. With ketonics, I'm burning fat and I'm on it, yeah, yeah. Living La Vida low carb, I do this every day. If you wanna burn that fat, it ain't no other way, yeah. Go to ketonics.co. And for my international followers, it's ketonics.com. Woo! Today's featured audio is from the 2019 Low Carb Cruise. Head on over to lowcarbcruiseinfo.com to get full details about the May 2020 Low Carb Cruise. Living La Vida Low Carb, this show is changing lives We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right Cut up the avocados, fry some eggs, time to explore The longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore Time to give up the crappy garbage, we're getting into ketosis Every day is a new step to your goal, yeah you're getting closer Motivated and focused, don't stop just go Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show Hey. Hey guys, we've got a real treat for you here today on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show as we air some of the lectures from the 2019 Low Carb Cruise. And we're always happy to have some return speakers. And one such speaker is today's featured guest. Her name, Jackie Eberstein. She is a registered nurse who actually worked with Dr. Atkins in his clinic for three days decades. So she brings so much wisdom and knowledge about low-carb keto. She is literally the OG of keto. So check out what she has to share in this lecture from the 2019 Low-Carb Cruise. Here's Jackie Eberstein. I'm here um, to answer any of your questions anytime that we're on board or wherever. Um, So feel free to come up and talk to me if you have any questions. That's why we do this. 
um, so that people um, can learn and get the information that they need in order to be successful for a lifetime. So this is my topic, personalized strategies for lifetime success. Because if you're not going to be doing this for a lifetime, to do it temporarily and gain your weight, lose your weight, gain your weight, lose your weight, gain your weight, that is very unhealthy for you. Um, weight cycling, yo-yo dieting, people call it different things. Um, you're not going to be able to really improve your health and invest in your future health, which is really what I think a lot of this is about. Um, you're not going to do it unless you, you begin to change some of your behaviors. So um, first of all, I want to make a mention, since you're seeing Heal Care for Life, um, those of you, some of you may know that Heal Care is no longer. It was closed. Um, we are no longer um, taking care of people through Heal Care. Yesterday was the last day. So um, Eric and I are going to go back to what we've been doing, um, which is educating people um, and still having talks and doing this kind of thing. Um, I'm sad about it. Um, and so what I've decided I'm going to do is uh, do what I've been thinking about doing for a while, but then when I joined Heal almost five years ago, I put it on the back burner. But I'm going to start to create my own little um, counseling program so that people can um, work with me remotely, Skype, phone, whatever, and uh, learn to master what you need to know to be successful with low-carb keto. So when I get back, I'm going to start designing the program, and hopefully by the end of June, I'll know what I'm doing. Um, so as much as I ever know what I'm doing, actually. Um, so some of these slides, I presented this program at Low Carb USA um, in San Diego last year and also at Dr. Berg's Keto um, seminar in September. So um, given that Heal closed as quickly as it did, I did not have time to remove all the Heal information, so I apologize for that. Um, I used to be director of clinical protocol at Heal Care. Um, my background goes back to 1974. This is, this is the 50th year since I graduated nursing school. And I thought I'd work four or five years, have kids, and retire. And 50 years later, I'm still working. Um, but I learned back in 1974, I've been a nurse for about five years in very different ICU and recovery room, and I wound up working with Dr. Atkins somewhat reluctantly at first. Uh, in 74, and that's where I learned about low carb, and it saved my life because I really had a severe blood sugar problem that would have turned into diabetes and obesity because I was genetically programmed to be that way. And it has saved my life, and I've seen too many people have so many wonderful results uh, that I continue to keep doing this. Didn't expect it would be this long, but. Um, so I worked with Dr. Atkins until I closed his medical practice in 2003, uh, then co-authored Atkins Diabetes Revolution with Atkins Nutritionals. I worked for them for a year and a half. I am since then a consultant, and I've been a consultant for Veronica Atkins, Dr. Atkins' widow, um, in order to do the things that I do, to teach people to learn, uh, to travel, to lecture, to write, whatever. So that's what I do now. In uh, 2014, Dr. Westman uh, twisted my arm to join HEAL. It was on uh, sitting in an airport after a low-carb cruise where we had a six-hour wait for our plane. So he worked on me for six hours, and I agreed to work with him. I, of course, first met Dr. Westman, and are you going to tell your story? 
Eric? No, I won't do it now. I'll let you do it then. Eric will tell you when we first met. It was a long time ago. Um, so I've been dealing with this for a very long time. So what I'm going to talk about are my experiences and what I have learned, both with myself, uh, because of staying on low-carb keto all these years so that I don't develop obesity and diabetes, and um, also what I've learned from working with the thousands and thousands and thousands of people I work with for almost 30 years with Dr. Atkins. So um, this is just going to be about my experiences of um, why people fail and what we need to target and work with them to change that behavior and their decision-making processes that lead to failure. And they do this in a cycle. Um, people will start a new diet, often a so-called fad diet, because they failed at low calorie, they failed at low fat, and they go from one diet to another, and they think that this diet's gonna be the magic thing. Now, I believe that doing low-carb keto in a lot of ways is magic because it controls your hunger, it controls your cravings, you can eat real food, you don't have to buy products, you don't have to buy special food. And you can eat in a restaurant, you can travel, you can do all that as long as you follow your program and you make the right decisions. Um, but what people often do is they carry their old habits and belief systems about weight to the next diet. And as soon as what they believe doesn't happen, like the scale isn't regularly dropping week in and week out, two pounds a week, or I've exercised 3,000 calories this week, why am I not losing what I should on the scale? All of those misconceptions that we have, myths actually, but we carry those from one diet to another. So if you're going to be successful, you really do, and as a counselor, you really have to find out how, how you're clients have failed in the past. What happened that when you were being successful, you gave up and regained your weight? It comes down to trying to remember on the very day they started to make a bad decision what was going on. Sometimes it's stress, sometimes they're just frustrated, they're not getting what they want. It could be any number of things. It could be a holiday, a vacation, uh, stress at work. Um, but you have to begin to uncover the poor decision-making strategies that people have learned to do over time and replace it with a strategy that's going to help to support what you say you want, which is to stay on a, a plan for a lifetime and to get healthier and to lose weight. And in my view, health is number one. The scale is certainly uh, not as important, um, although I do think you need to lose your body fat. But that's not your primary concern. Your primary concern, I feel, if you're going to continue it forever, is going to be your health, especially as you get older and you start to find out that the body parts are different than they were when you were 30. Um, that's when you sometimes begin to face the fact you have to get your act together. A lot of times it's also because the programs are too complicated. Um, I've worked with pe people at HEAL. When I started with Atkins, first of all, the only way we measured ketones really was a dipstick. Uh, and we had these big breathalyzers that were very cumbersome, and we used those for a number of years. They're nothing like the little thing you can get now. But um, we often didn't have people do that sort of thing because they don't understand what variations you can get even while you're on your program. 
And just because your ketones aren't as dark today as they were yesterday, that already begins that internal dialogue, oh, this diet's not working for me, I'm not going to continue to do this very long, much longer if I don't see that my ketone stick is always dark purple. Um, your body changes all the time. There are a lot of influences on those things. We want to keep it simple. Follow your plan. You don't have to measure any of the other stuff. Now, it's also time to individualize a program. So I will certainly have people, I will ask them to keep a food diary because they're trying to figure out are they doing something wrong that they don't know they're doing. But, or they're compulsive and they feel much more comfortable with their, with their compulsive behaviors about following the program and, and, and maybe measuring ketones. And, and certainly if you're on hypertensive medication, you have to be monitoring your blood pressure because there may be a point where your blood pressure is going to get too low and you're over-medicated. So there are some things you have to measure if necessary. But for most people, you just simply follow the instructions if we've given it to you. A lot of people are aware it's Dr. Westman's page four. So it doesn't have to be complicated. We don't want this to add more stress to the stress you already have in your life. It can be incorrect or confusing information. And now with the internet, it, there's tons of that everywhere. And someone may do keto in one way and it works for them. And they present it out there that this is now the way you do it. I can't tell you, especially the number of women who say, but I, but I learned this on the internet and all these people are losing weight and my ketones are, are dark. I'm gaining. Well, they're eating too much fat and their calorie intake is too high for their body. And what they're burning that increases their ketones is their dietary fat, and we want you burning your body fat. That's what you want to get rid of is your body fat. Enough dietary fat is important. It helps add satiety. It's important, but it's not the only way it can work, and that's what people often need help with is to individualize your program. Your body is the way it is, and it isn't going to necessarily work the way somebody else's body is going to work. And then there's carb addiction. Um, now I think that there's enough evidence to know that there truly is an addiction to carbohydrate and the reward centers of the brain will respond the way they do to other addictive substances. And that's, and I was born a carb addict. Um, I'm, I'm a, no longer actively addicted because I know not to do that. Um, but a lot of people don't understand that. And I was just working with a, a, a woman um, with HEAL who really was a carb addict, and she never perceived it as an addiction. So we had to have a long chat about that where I described to her the research that's been out there that shows what happens in the brain when you take in sugar. And when she accepted that, she at least had a roadmap now of to how to deal with addiction. It's the same as you do with alcohol. It's the same as you do with other addictions. You can't have a little bit and think you're going to be fine. You can't have a cheat day once a week and think that's going to work because you will lose control. And so, but, and it's been three weeks. I've been talking to her once a week um, just to make her more comfortable that she can do it. So we've talked every week. And she said that just really made a difference for her to understand that process because she understood how different her body was for other from other people's bodies. <coughs> A lot of us have unfulfilled expectations or unrealistic expectations, and that goes back to the issue of the scale. And, and that's, that's a myth that's been out there forever. 
Um, if, you, if you eat less and you exercise, you're going to lose X amount of weight every week. The scale doesn't change nice and easily and drop. It, it's up, it's down. It, many things affect the scale. Premenstrually, many, many of you women know you, you get heavier a couple days before your period. Um, it'll go away. But if you're, I used to tell my female patients, don't weigh yourself before your period. Just don't do that. Um, and at HEAL, we asked our patients just to weigh themselves every two weeks. On the morning, they're going to have a visit with us. Um, take your measurements and weigh yourself. And we go by measurements. And one of the things I do when I take a history with someone is I ask, what is your goal? Or I'll ask, what is your size goal? And they always say, well, I want to get down to 140 pounds. They didn't even hear the word size, because that's not how they perceive goals about losing I hate to say losing weight because that keeps reinforcing that, but it's all about losing fat. And so I always find, what size are you now and what's your size goal? That is more important. And what I found over the years is that you often don't have to get your weight as low as you think you need to before you get to your size goal. You'll get to your size goal first. And they'll say, well, but I really want to be a four. Well, you're not going to be less healthy at a six than a four. And if a four is too difficult for you now to maintain because you're older than when you were a 25-year-old as a size four, what's the difference? Nobody knows what your size is. They see how you look and how good you look. You don't have this neon sign that flashes, I'm a size six on, on your back. <laughs> and I want to be a size four underneath. You don't have that. Um, and those are unrealistic expectations. And there are many others. You need to look at what you need to look at what your unrealistic expectations are and work on those so that you're not going to carry them into the weeks and months forward on this diet because that can weaken your resolve. How your bodies change over time. That's a huge one. It's especially huge for women because women go through hormone changes, usually more drastic, but maybe not always, than men do. Um, and you have to realize and accept the fact that your body is going to be somewhat different. We know that when women go through menopause, their whips, their whips, their hips can get wider. <laughs> their hips can get a little wider, even if you, your weight doesn't change, because the musculature in there relaxes and your, your hips get a little wider, especially if you had a lot of babies. So, you know, and, and there's one thing when I was doing research on, on menopause, is that, well, with menopause, women will redistribute fat from their legs to their middle. Well, I, I had that, but my legs, it didn't come from my legs for some reason. And I've, I've been waiting now 20 years for my legs to get smaller, um, but that didn't happen. But your body does change, and you have to cope with that. You have to accept it and then work around it. Um, side effects and medications is a real important one. Prescription medications do a lot of things in your body uh, that are unhealthy. For, and most people aren't aware that almost every prescription medication can deplete nutrients from your body, and oftentimes multiple nutrients. Blood pressure medications can deplete magnesium, yet magnesium is the mineral that keeps your arteries more relaxed and open. So they're giving you a beta blocker to keep your, your blood vessels open and lower your blood pressure, yet you're losing magnesium which tightens up your blood vessels. So this can be a real issue. And that's why with low carb, one of our goals is always getting people on the least amount of medications possible. 
But if you need to be on something for some reason, then you, you need to adapt whether or not that medic to whether or not that medication may make it harder for you to lose. That's not a reason to get off and start eating, because then you're really going to gain. But that's sometimes hard to get people to accept. But you have to adapt to that, because there are going to be times you may need to be on something. Antibiotics can cause weight gain, but you're not usually on those for an extended period of time. But I've had patients come in and say, oh, I gained, I, I don't know why I'm gaining weight. And one of my first questions to them always is, is there anything new about your health? Because they forget to tell you about a new diagnosis. They'll forget to tell you they're on a new drug. So it's kind of important to pay attention to that and realize if you have to be on it, it's part of the mix now, and you have to, you have to adapt to that. Stress is a huge one. <clears throat> we'll talk a little bit about that. And I think someone else is giving a talk on stress. Chronic stress is, is one of the worst things that trigger people to eat. Even short-term stress, but that's not as hard on your body as this chronic long-term stress. And, and certainly we live in a very stressful world now. Um, and it does have, a lot of people perceive stress as I worry, I get migraines, whatever. Um, but stress is biochemical. And what we want to do is, by staying on low carb, keep that disruption to your stress hormones at a minimum because at least you're eating correctly. If you go back to your Western diet with the sugar and the starch and alcohol and all those things that people often do, their comfort items when they're stressed, all you're going to do is add more biochemical stress to your body. And you will cope with your other stressors in life less well. because you And that's, that may be the only thing you can control when you're stressed is what you're putting in your mouth. And you want to support your body, particularly when you're stressed with proper nutrition. And social factors, social, is that me? No, it's no. the microphone, it's just the microphone. So we'll talk, we'll talk just a little bit about stress. Um, there are short-term stressors, vacations, holidays, um, social events, um, you know, birthday parties, anniversaries, all that sort of thing. So one of the things I do is always ask, my clients, is there something coming up in this next interval before we talk again that may be a challenge for you? And we talk about ways of coping with that, staying as closely on your plan as you can and still get through and enjoy your vacation, your holiday, whatever event. And so that's really something that needs to be addressed. Because I've seen patients over the holidays, they start eating at Thanksgiving and it goes on until January 2nd and they, don't come, they didn't come back to us at Atkins until Easter. <laughs> and by that time, people could have gained 25 pounds easily because they were embarrassed. Um, and I used to tell my patients, we're here to help you, to partner with you. Nobody ever died of embarrassment. So come and talk to us um, because we're here to help you learn how the next time you encounter that situation not to fall into the same trap. And you may not be perfect, but as long as you're better than you used to be, you're beginning to weaken that habit that you've had every holiday or every Christmas or whatever that comes along. Is that, do you understand the point I'm trying to make? Yeah, okay. Stress eating, of course, is a big factor. So that's something we have to discuss and come up with strategies on how to cope with stress eating. Um, and people, people can do that. They just don't understand the connection between 
your stress, your emotional stress, your physiologic response to stress, and how what you eat is going to either make it easier for you to cope or harder to cope. Other stress, uh, social factors, conventional medical advice, of course. I don't know that we need to talk about that because it's terrible. Um, you know, I still have people who come to me who are doing better, their labs are better, they're on less medication, they've lost a lot of weight, and they go to their doctor and says, but you're not eating enough vegetables. I want you eating six or eight cups of vegetables every day because somebody said that's what's healthy to do. So there's a lot of nutrition myths out there. Um, and so I, I would say to my patients, check with me first before you believe that. Uh, because a lot of it isn't true, and it isn't based on research, or poorly based on research, and we know our nutrition guidelines were based on awful research, yet 50 years later they're still around. The media, media doesn't do much investigation anymore. Um, you know, you'll see uh, a two-minute thing on, on CBS morning show um, where Walter Willett had one of his uh, epidemiologic studies come, comes out that says X, Y, or Z, red meat causes cancer, all that, all that sort of thing you hear all the time. Um, and, and they're part of the problem because they put out information that truly, number one, may not be correct or, or based on, on actual real research, but number two, doesn't apply to everyone. They make it sound like this is what's true for everybody, and that's not the case. Peer pressure is an issue. Um, your friends, your work colleagues, you know, this, every time someone has a birthday, there's muffins and cupcakes and all this other stuff. Um, the one thing I've always said is, don't let other people vote on your health. You know, this idea of, oh, come on, you can have just one. I know you're on a diet, but you can just take a rest this one time. Grandma, grandma slaved in the kitchen making you your favorite cookies. Um, you're not eight years old anymore. Um, you know, don't let other people vote on your health because if they talk you into it, you allow them to talk you into it, they're not going to pay the price and the effect it's going to have on you. And if you're a carb addict, you may spend a long time after that really trying to get yourself back on track. Don't give other people that power. <clears throat> unsupportive family and friends, the same thing. Uh, also, particularly unsupportive spouses or other people that are close to you, and you're losing weight and looking better, but they know they can't do it, so they want to try to sabotage you so that you can be heavy again along with them. Um, misery loves company sometimes. So you're not going to want to allow that to happen. The, the food pushers I already mentioned, you know, um, one isn't going to hurt or it's Christmas, you don't have to do this over Christmas. So I'm just gonna talk vaguely, or not vaguely, but I can't be personally specific, um, but give you some things to think about. Four easy rules for long-term success. Change your focus. Really understand the value of a scale. Weight is not the best marker of fat loss. So I, I got, it gets to the point where so many people, particularly women, are addicted to their scale. And I've had people who would get on the scale five or six times during the day. And why I'm not eating, I'm not drinking, why is my weight going up? So they have unrealistic expectations, and that's someone that unless they understand the truth about the scale, 
they're ultimately going to give up. And then they'll have another diet, and then they'll do the same thing with some other diet that comes along. <clears throat> I don't pay that much attention to the, to the scale. I pay attention to inches and how you feel, and is your hunger and craving, are your hunger and cravings controlled? Because if that happens, your chances of success are a lot better. Short-term goal, you're going to get short-term success. If you're only doing this so that you can fit into a dress uh, for the wedding, then that's all that's going to happen. I remember a very young girl, a very beautiful young girl, who was about 24, and this was in the 1970s. Her first name was Catherine, and I even remember what she looked like. She came to the Atkins Center because her sister was going to get married in a year, and she was going to be a bridesmaid. And she was about 100 pounds overweight. So I saw her through this process, and we talked a lot about her goal beyond the wedding, or at least I talked a lot about it. She had a lot of difficulty in seeing beyond that. And I was explaining to her that my concern was once the wedding was over, she would go back to eating the way she was before, and she would regain. And that is exactly what she did. She lost 100 pounds. She, was, she looked absolutely fabulous. And I made a follow-up appointment after the wedding, which she promised me she would keep. She didn't. I called her up. I left messages, and I never heard from her again. Her goal was to look good at her sister's wedding, and nothing beyond that mattered. So that's not, and I remember that, because I, I thought that was tragic. Um, and that was a long time ago. So you really need to confront some of this. And sometimes it's uncomfortable to do that and look at yourself that way. But that's really what's going to help you get rid of the excess baggage, the emotional baggage we carry about our bodies and about losing weight and about what it takes in order to get your goal. And so it, it gets uncomfortable. But once you get to the other side of it, you're going to get what you want as far as your weight and your goal. But you may have to go through some of that discomfort. It's a learning process, and you may not be perfect right away. So paint a, a much bigger picture. Um, you can have short-term goals, but you need long-term goals too. You have to have a roadmap. If you don't have a roadmap to where you want to to where you want to get to, and then the stops along the way, somewhere you're going to just going to turn around and go back home. Find your own measure of success. And this varies from person to person. The first thing I think is going to be necessary is for you to be on a plan and follow it correctly so that your hunger and cravings will be minimized. And if you have some hunger, you have some cravings, we can teach you how to cope with those. Um, if you don't do that, if you're on a program where you are constantly hungry, which on low-calorie, low-fat, is what happens to a lot of people, you're going to ultimately stop because chronic hunger isn't something humans cope with very well. Not in an environment of food everywhere. It's different if you're somewhere where there's not enough food and you don't have any choices, but uh, we have too many choices. Are your clothes getting looser? That's always the biggest issue. Are your clothes getting looser? And as they get looser, I recommend you get rid of your fat clothes. You can keep one thing that reminds you what you used to be like. But if you keep all these sizes in your wardrobe, once you get down here, in the back of your mind, I'm keeping these things because I might need them again, you're already setting yourself up that you don't think you're going to be able to continue this. Plus, who can keep affording to buy bigger sizes all the time? Um, 
Unfortunately, the bigger sizes now stretch too much and can give you much too much leeway before you get feedback that you're gaining too much. Um, so keep one thing, get rid of the rest. Are you enjoying life better? Is your quality of life getting better as you're doing this? And I've had grandmothers say, I can get down on the floor with my grandchildren now. My husband used to have to help me up off the floor. Um, I can go bike riding with the kids. I can go out and walk. Um, my feet don't hurt. My joints don't hurt. My back doesn't hurt. I sleep better. Those are really the victories you need to realize you have, you created those and you have control over whether they remain victories or whether you get your symptoms back all by the choices you make and what you put in your mouth. And that is a decision you may have to pay attention to at the beginning or even for months to help you stay on track every time you encounter food. Don't get cocky and think, oh, I'm doing really well, so I don't have to think about this anymore. It can be very insidious and show up again, especially if you're in an uncomfortable or stressful environment. So whenever you're encountering food, start to think about how this food helps to keep you healthy. And do you want to keep that, or are you willing to give it up and get your pain back, or your reflux back, or your blood pressure medicine back, or your diabetes medicine back? And, and those are the little strategies and thoughts you can go through um, remember, losing weight isn't something about, isn't only about the food you choose to eat. It's about what goes on up here. And if you don't change what goes on up here, and you insist on holding on to your old ideas that have led to failure in the past, your chances of failing again are quite high. And I know I keep saying that, but it is sometimes very hard for people to hear it and then be willing to work on it. And you may have five or six things you need to work on in this, in this category I just discussed. And you may not be perfect right away, but just keep working on it and keep moving forward. And forgive yourself when you've screwed up, but learn something from that screw up. How did I, how did I give up my control that time? Learn something so that you have another tool to help you moving forward. <clears throat> Take less medications and saving money. That, for me, is a huge me measure of success. And it isn't about saving money. It's about not suffering the side effects and the negative effects of most prescription medications. Regain your health and well-being and decrease your risk factors for disease. That's also very important. You want your triglycerides better, your HDL higher, your blood pressure under better control. You want, if you're pre-diabetic, you have an opportunity to not be diabetic. 90% of diabetes is preventable. <clears throat> And you have a wonderful opportunity because remember, the longer you continue to eat carbs and you continue to make too much insulin, over time you're going to damage more insulin-producing cells. And if you kill off enough of them, then you could be in big trouble. And that's how some people with type 2 diabetes wind up on insulin because they've damaged their insulin-producing cells and enough of them that they now need insulin. And part of that comes from the whole mentality that the ADA has had, that if you have diabetes, you can eat what other people eat, just take your drugs. And we have a whole variety of more drugs we can add when you need some more. <clears throat> Learn what works for you. We have to individualize things, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can do a 20-gram total 
low-carb diet, which is what Dr. Atkins did, this is what we did at HEAL. But within that context, we personalized things. I would have people who, because they don't tolerate dairy, you have to change it. Or, or people that I suspect, because of their systems, may have too much yeast activity, and they're eating a lot of cheese. So they may be someone that <clears throat> we put, I put on a fresh cheese, no aged cheese, none of the blue cheese or the brie or things like that, because that triggers their symptoms. Um, so you have to, I have some people who hate cooked vegetables. So I would just give them an equal number of carbs from their cooked vegetables in salad. And they're happy with that. And if that's what works for them, then that's what you do. And that may not be, you could have the reverse. You could have people who hate salad, and so I'll give them a little bit more of the cooked vegetables. So there are ways of individualizing it to make it easier and more comfortable for, for you to do it. Don't compare yourself to others. Um, and don't compare yourself losing weight to the way you used to lose weight. Um, this is a conversation, if I had a dollar for every time I had it, I, I was talking to a perimenopausal woman who kept saying, but when I was 25, well, if you did it right, when you were 25, you wouldn't be sitting here. Um, so, you know, you've had babies, your body changes, you, that has to be fit into the picture. Um, just do it, and you'll eventually get to where you need to be. It's just not going to be as fast as it used to be. And don't compare, ladies. If, if your male partner or your husband is doing this, and they do it with you and cheat 50% of the time, and they lose twice as much weight than you do, that's normal, unfortunately. You know, women have gotten bodies that are far more complicated in certain ways, and you just accept that. Um, I used to tell my patients so they knew I commiserated with them, especially when I started going through perimenopause, when it was a real eye-opener for me what happened biochemically. Um, and I had a really difficult time with it. But I used to tell my female patients in my next lifetime, I'm not coming back unless I get a different set of hormones. <laughs> because I'm not doing this again. So you need to customize and experiment with different meal plans based on your ethnicity, your taste, convenience. And what's so much easier now than it was for years when I was at the Atkins, before the internet, before so many resources out there, um, there are so many low-carb recipes now that you can use. Um, I just caution you that read the ingredients, only have the recipes that contain the ingredients you're allowed in whatever level of carb restriction you're doing and pay attention to serving size. Just because it's low carb doesn't mean you can eat half of it when it's actually four, same, four, four servings for a half, whatever it is. So just be careful there. And the other thing is, is that when I'm starting someone on this, we talk about only real food, no keto products. Um, there are too many out there that aren't appropriate for people to be using. Um, but we, I, I feel we need to separate people from the idea of processed food. Um, because how humans evolved was eating healthy food, real food, before the chemistry experiments from Kraft and Nestle and all that other things have shown in them and, and fill up the entire middle aisles of, a, of the grocery store. And other than in an emergency, sometimes if it's an emergency, we'll discuss whether they could have something because they're traveling or something like that. 
But as a rule, I really don't like that at the beginning. And oftentimes, we, we don't really ever add it. Um, learn the effects of the meds you take. If you're going to a doctor who's going to start writing some medications that you're going to have to be on for a while, and most doctors don't understand this, um, there are many, many medications that can, number one, make your blood sugar worse. Number two, can make it harder for you to lose weight or cause weight gain. Um, then discuss with them, I'm losing weight. And so is there an alternative that doesn't have such a strong negative metabolic effect? So that's a discussion to have. It gives your doctor something to stop and think about. And gives you an idea whether what he's going to put you on is going to make it a little harder for yourself or not. I mean, there, there's a, a medication out there um, for kids with severe psychosis. And they're putting these young kids on this medication because they are psychotic. And within three months, they become obese and diabetic. It, it's a very strong side effect of this medication. So, and, and a lot of doctors just feel, well, their job is to deal with the immediate symptoms, but what about the long-term effects? Um, and, and that has to be part of the equation, especially if someone's going to be on something for a long time. And em embrace the physical activities that you enjoy. I, I agree that exercise doesn't help you lose weight. This idea that if you burn X amount of calories every week, you're going to lose a pound or whatever it is. That isn't how it works. But exercise is still useful for a lot of things, especially for women who aren't often in touch with their bodies because they're unhappy with their bodies. Um, and as you get older, you want to maintain lean mass, which is going to keep your metabolic rate higher. Um, as you get older, you, you want to be stronger. You want your reflexes to not deteriorate as they do uh, in people who are sedentary. Exercise is useful for anyone with the risk of diabetes because it can increase the sensitivity of the insulin that you have. Um, and as women exercise and they get stronger and can do a little more, they can look back in two months and say, I couldn't have done that two months ago. My body has the ability to get healthier with what I do. My body's getting toned. I can see muscles that I didn't see before now um, because there was too much fat on top. So that can be motivating for you as you can see your body getting better. So that's something else that can help uh, to motivate you. Keep it simple, as I've already discussed. Um, we don't want your program to stress you out even more. That isn't useful. We've had people come to heal because they can't figure out their micros. Sometimes I have too much protein and I don't have enough fat. Um, all these little minutiae they read about on the, on the internet that does not necessarily apply to them. And that's why it's important to realize that what's sometimes out there isn't, isn't what's going to help you. And so that's one of the things we've tried to deal with with our, with our clients. Weigh and measure only every two weeks, because that's how often we would talk to our people. And so, starting out with someone every two weeks is good for follow-up. Some people are more acute. And at the beginning, I might talk to them every week, because they can't be trusted beyond a week. Um, so if they're successful for a week, then we talk and we build on their success. Um, so you really have to adjust it to what's going on with each person with the idea that further down the road, you're going to do all you can to make sure they have the tools they need to be successful. I've had people weigh themselves so many times in a day, and that will drive them nuts and they'll quit. I've had patients at Atkins where I made them promise they were going to give their scale to their next door neighbor. 
So that the minute they see it, they're not hopping on the scale because that is counterproductive. It isn't about calories in, calories out. It's about what you eat and how it affects your hormones. Insulin primarily, but then there's leptin and there's other hormones that are involved in this, including your stress hormones. Don't count calories. Um, that doesn't mean you eat to excess. You eat until you're satisfied and comfortable. If you're not hungry, don't eat. If you're hungry, eat. Even if you need to eat in between meals. So a lot of people say, well, you can't eat in between meals. It's a low-calorie diet. This is not a low-calorie diet. This is allowing your body to give you the feedback you need to find the amount of food you need to be comfortable and satisfied and succeed. And again, most people don't need to take all those measurements with ketones and all this other stuff. Sometimes we ask them to do that because we're troubleshooting. But we don't do that at the beginning. We just make it as easy as possible. Eat real food that's readily available to you. And don't buy special keto foods. We've already discussed that. The other thing about organic is, oh, but aren't you doing organic? Some people can't. Some people don't have access. Um, they don't have the funds. I'd rather you eat something that's not organic but low carb. You're still going to be healthier than eating the chemistry experiments that are in the middle of your grocery store aisle. Well, we'll skip this. We don't need that. Well, this is about heal, but an important part of heal that we offered was hello. Um, the important part of what we offered at heal was a lot of personalization and support. And that's one of the reasons why, as Heal is no longer with us, I have decided that I want to continue that same kind of thing, which is what I did at Atkins, too. I mean, I would spend a half hour with each of my follow-up patients, sometimes more, um, but most of that was talking about behavior and changing behavior, learning how your body works, learning how food affects you. Um, I only spent five or six minutes talking about their diet. Um, and so that's why I thought it's important for me. I'm not quite ready to give it up yet. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start a program and be able to help as many people as we can. So it's important because it's now spreading all over the world. And after been doing this since 1974 and being vilified for decades with Dr. Atkins, um, I want to be around to enjoy it more, <laughs> other than for myself and my health. So thank you very much. This show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up the avocados, fry some eggs. Time to explore the longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show Woo! Disc of Light.